Well, God bless this time together that we are here to open our hearts and our minds and turn to you and listen to your word. I got to adjust this thing here real quick. Hold on. There we go. I'm a professional, so that was okay. So when I was 12, my friend invited me over to dinner, and then he invited me to spend the night for a sleepover, which in Latino culture was not customary for kids to stay with people who were not their family, at least not in my home. Um, but because my friend and I, we went to the same school and we went to the same church, I think that's why my parents let me go. And it was a big deal for us and a big deal for me because here I was, this poor immigrant, inner city Latino kid from Seattle about to go spend the night with a middle class Caucasian family here on the east side. I was about to learn a lot. <laughs> and meals was one of them. For instance, my friend's parent, my mom said, hey, we're going to have Belgium waffles for breakfast. And they were like, yeah, Belgium waffles. And I was like, yeah, I have no idea what that is but it sounds amazing. And they were amazing. Homemade Belgian waffles, fresh whipped cream, and fresh strawberries. It was amazing. And as we were cleaning up and finishing up, I turned to my friend and I asked him, like, so what are we gonna have for food? And he's like, what do you mean? That was the food. I was like, oh, that was the food. Oh, I'm sorry. Although I am a very Americanized, I still am from San Luis, Sonora, Mexico. When I think of breakfast food as a Latino, I think of huevos and frijoles y tortillas recién hechas and chilaquiles and chorizo, you know, queso fresco. I think of food, right? <laughs> Waffles are great, but that's the dessert you have with the food. But I was learning the difference of our culture. So afterwards, I think my, his mom had to uh, do some, uh, run some errands. She said, hey, if, if you get hungry before I get back, before I make lunch, don't worry, just go into the kitchen. You know, whatever you find, go ahead and, and uh, partake. And I was trying to be respectful, and I tried to hold out as long as I could, but my blood sugar was going through the roof, and I was jonesing for some protein. So I think we were playing video games or something, and I went out to the kitchen, and to my delight, on the corner of the counter was some beef jerky. And it was these huge chunks of beef jerky, and I was so happy. So I dove into this beef jerky, and I started gnawing on it. But good grief, these things were tough. They were like rhino hide or something. I don't know what was going on. I had to take like two naps, and I lost about three teeth getting through it. But whatever. It was some protein. I was pretty happy. So I went back to my friend's uh, uh, room, and, you know, I tried to be as respectful as I could, but I was, said something to the point of like, I think you guys might need to change your beef jerky brand, because I just chewed through a book out there. <laughs> and they're like... Beef jerky, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, I just had some beef jerky you had out there on the counter. He's like, dude, we're vegetarians. Uh-oh. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 look, check it out. And I'd show them what the beef jerky is, and they're like, you mean the dog jerky? <laughs> Yet again, I learned something else. I was from a different tax bracket, and dog jerky was above my pay grade, not the culture I came from. And that's what I want to talk about today. We can learn a lot when we put our feet under someone else's table and we break bread with them. A lot can be learned. So here at Bell Prez, we are currently in a sermon series called Living It, where we're looking at people in the Bible who are living the vision of which Bell Prez is moving into. And today, I want to talk about biblical community and what I see and how revival happened in Acts, and it included food. So let's look. Acts 2.45, and it says, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as, many, as any had need, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Now, first of all, we got to establish, who's the they? Well, the they were Jews. 
We find out earlier in Acts 2.5 where it says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So it was this multi-ethnic group of Jews who all spoke different languages who all were in Jerusalem. Why were they in Jerusalem? Because it was the Feast of Pentecost, a huge celebration that included a lot of food. But it went beyond food. They also were there to praise and worship God. One of the practices um, at the feast was they would spend all night on the first night to read through Holy Scripture. There's times where they even encouraged the kids to memorize Scripture and they would get a treat. So it wasn't just about food. It does say that they were devout. And unbeknownst to them, the disciples who rolled deep with Jesus with a bunch of other cats were also there in Jerusalem. And they were waiting there because Jesus promised to them before he peaced out and ascended to heaven, he said, wait here because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and it's going to work through you. And so they're in Jerusalem and they roll deep down into Jerusalem where this group of multi-ethnic Jews and they begin to prophesy or preach. And a miracle happens Everybody who's there, this group of multi-ethnic Jews, can all understand them. They're witnessing a miracle. And Peter, one of the apostles among them, begins to explain using Holy Scripture, which they would know, that Jesus really was the Messiah. And then he confronts them with their sin. And he was crucified. Jesus was crucified. And they take this to heart. We see in Acts 2.37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? How many times in our lives are we confronted by our sins and we ask ourselves, What shall I do? They were witnessing a miracle, so they knew that God was working through them. And fortunately, Peter gets to share the good news with them that although Jesus was crucified, he was raised from the dead and salvation and forgiveness is now freely offered to anyone who accepts it. And he simply says to them, repent or change your ways and be baptized. And they did. So this group of multi-ethnic Jews witnessed a miracle, recognized Jesus as the Messiah, confronted they were confronted with their sin, they were offered salvation, they repented, and they were baptized. That is the they. And this is how they respond. They pool their possessions together to give those who were in need. That sounds very much like church culture today. We give our tithes and our offerings and we use that money to ministry to help those who are in need. They went day by day um, to the temple, which was customary to them at the time, very much like churches today where Christians pour in and out of churches over the weekend. And if you're from a different ethnic background, like Latinos like myself, sometimes we're there more than once a day. Sometimes we're there almost every day. At some point, you're like, I think I'm saved. I think I can take a few days off because good grief. How many times do we have to go to church? That's just the way I grew up. You had worship and prayer meetings and young adult meetings and meeting after meeting. Just difference in cultures. And then there's that last part, though, where it says where they were breaking bread in their homes. And that's where my brain went, wait a minute. That doesn't necessarily sound like current church culture. In fact, that doesn't necessarily sound like current U.S. culture. So I looked up, and this uh, DDB Needham did a survey from 1970 to 2005, 
and found that from 1980, about 40% people entertained monthly in their homes, and that dropped to 20% by the 2000s. A 50% drop of US Americans inviting people into their homes. And they continued, in 1970, only 16% of US Americans either attended or hosted a dinner party within the last 12 months or the last year. That dropped to 5% by the 2000s. Now, there's a lot of reasons for this. and There's a lot of research out there. But the matter of the fact is that US Americans are inviting people into their homes less and less. Now, it doesn't mean that US Americans are completely disconnected from each other. Because actually, technology has helped us out stay communicated, communicated, communication, communa. I've only lived in this country for 37 years, so I'm barely getting my handle on English. I'll get there. Stay connected. Holy moly, look at that. Or holy mole, I should say, in my country. <laughs> stay connected uh, with, uh, you know, advancement technology, the telephone, the email, to all the young cats in the room with all your social media, with your histograms and your flap chats and the book of faces. Now I'm not even going to go into Tinder, whatever that is. We stay connected more and more uh, today, but that's different than inviting someone into your home and breaking bread. There's something more intimate about that. And I forgot to introduce myself, so I'm going to take this moment now to, um, to enlighten you people, because all of you are wondering, like, he doesn't look like Dudley. He looks a little different. No, I'm not Dr. Dudley. My name is Sergio Chavez. I am the Director of Communications here at Belprez. And aside from that as well, I'm a lay pastor, which is just a fancy title for an unpaid volunteer pastor. And I am a simpleton. I've never been to seminary. I don't have any fancy degrees. I just keep my theology simple. I try to immerse myself as best I can in scripture. And I try to immerse myself as best I can in prayer. And I try to go wherever God leads me. I keep my scripture or uh, theology simple because I think that's all my little frijole brain can handle. So that's why I'm speaking of these things. Being someone from a different culture, this speaks volumes to me. So when I read this, this uh, passage, um, I couldn't help but recognize the breaking of bread in homes. And instantly a friend of mine came, uh, came to me, or came to mind. And uh, to hide my friend's identity, we're going to call him John, instead of using his full name, John Darrow. Complete anonymity for John. Uh, John's a man after my own heart. He's, he's probably roughly 20 years older than I am. He's a Caucasian gentleman. And although we're from different cultures, we agree on this one thing, that food is important and that Christians should be breaking bread in each other's homes. So John sought out to um, change the culture of his church and start a program, per se, of how we can do this. So he decided, well, this is probably not, this is a little bit counterculture, which According to the, the statistics we saw, he was very wise in that sense. He said, so let's start small. Let's just have families invite each other over to dinner. And over time, with baby steps over the years, this program began to grow. It grew to a program called Put Your Feet Under My Table, or Pie-Fumped. For all of those who've been wondering, what in good grief is this sermon title called this pafumpt or piwayum to whatever, however you're trying to, it's not Spanish, it's an acronym for put your feet under my table. And this program has grown that whenever this church doesn't have potluck or is not hosting potluck in the church, they have these in-home potlucks called piefumpt. 
And now several families band together to host a meal for, to be able to invite more guests over to one of their homes. And sometimes these pythons are as small as 10 people and sometimes they're as large as 50 people. But it was a way for Christians and believers and guests to come together and put their feet under someone else's table and break their bread and give the gospel a whole new meaning. It's very different when you talk about the gospel in a church setting than when you talk about it at someone's table. And there's a lot of things that have happened at Pythons, a lot of great things, and even, even, hold on now, even tension, even conflict. Because when you start hanging out with each other, you start um, talking to each other, and sometimes we don't always see eye to eye. But hopefully we're in a safe space to be able to talk about the things that we, we don't talk about here um, and churches. But there's one uh, story that's close to my heart, and it's uh, one of uh, the members of uh, John's church. He decided to invite his coworker to church. And so he went to church, and he thought it was good and stuff, and then he was invited to go to Pythumped, which then he went. So he's eaten with all these people, and he was staying there. And these things last for hours. Sometimes they last all the way into the night. And this, uh, this member then asked his coworker later, he's like, so what'd you think of church? And his coworker's like, well, church was nice. I liked it. I was, I was following what your pastor was preaching. I thought it was good. He goes, but what I really liked, what I really liked was going over to the person's house and eating and hanging out. So because he's not from this country. He's from an Eastern European country. And he said, back in my country on the weekends, that's how things are. Everybody comes over to the house and we have this meal and we hang out. And it's like almost a whole day affair. And being there with your church in that home, that reminded me of home. I don't get those opportunities here in America. What a difference a church can make simply with breaking bread and putting their feet under someone else's table. And I'd like to be candid with you as one of your four resident Latinos who are here on staff. <laughs> this is important to us. Food is the center of so many cultures. For those of you who traveled the world, it probably didn't take you long to recognize how important food is to other cultures. And I can speak for Latinos. When you come from a developing country like Mexico, a third world country, we don't have any money. Most people are poor. They can't give you anything. But the thing we can give is our food and our time. That is what we gift one another. And that is what we gift to you. And in some cultures, being invited to someone's house is a sign of acceptance. It is important for a multi-ethnic community to recognize that food was a part of revival. We see it as we continue in Acts 2.47. says, in the praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. And this is what Dudley has been talking about. He says, seek the economic and relational and spiritual flourishing of the city that I've called you. It's all there. Seek the spiritual. They went to the temple day by day. The economic. They pulled together their resources to give to those who had need. And the relational. Breaking of bread in each other's homes. One meal at a time, revival was happening. Now the good news is, Belprez, is you already are a multi-ethnic community. Sure, you might be heavy on one ethnicity than the others, but that's all right. I learned that Caucasians are not all the same. No one was teaching me that as a young kid. 
but I've been hanging out with you cats for 37 years, and I found out a lot of things about you. I found out you guys have beef jerky for dogs, for instance. That was a whole new thing for me. But you may have German descent, Danish descent, Irish descent. Within this church, there are Koreans, Chinese, and Vietnamese. We have Africans and Rwandans here. And we have a few Latinos sprinkled up in here. Por todos los Latinos que me oí hablando de comida, no te preocupes. Casi termino, vamos a comer pronto. All the Puesta de Sol students are like, oh, I understand what he's saying. <laughs> Everybody else is like, is he speaking in tongues? Because I didn't catch a thing right there. <laughs> All this to be said that good food can be had here in this church. And so maybe, maybe this church can start small. So I have a few things, a few challenges for those who are willing to give it a shot. A few, a few things for homework. First, if you're willing, commit yourself to 20 minutes of prayer for 30 days. Now, some of y'all are like, what? 20 minutes for 30 days? Yes, I was not speaking Spanish. That was in English. 20 minutes for 30 days. Of all the time that I've been in ministry and been in the church, never once have I heard somebody who wanted to know God more and who felt like they needed more spirituality in their life or they needed more connection ever tell me, you know, the problem, my problem is I have too much of the Holy Spirit. I don't need any more Holy Spirit. Almost every single time, the, the answer is, I need more of the Spirit in my life. Well, here's an opportunity. You can give up 20 minutes. Shut down Netflix and Facebooks and whatever it is that you're doing for 20 minutes. Get up earlier. Go to sleep later. 20 minutes for the Spirit to move in your life. And within those 30 days, if you feel the nudge of the Spirit, maybe start small and invite somebody out to eat or coffee. Maybe you're already in a small group that you can um, reach out to. Here at this uh, Bell Prez, coming soon, will be um, some events called Meet Your Neighbor, where we go, I think it's going to be in the patio, to find out who lives within your zip code. Maybe that's an opportunity to find someone who lives near you and just invite them out to eat. And if the Holy Spirit continues to nudge you within those 30 days, maybe you can take it a step further and invite someone actually into your home. Now, I know some of you are probably freaking out, like inviting people into my homes. Well, you never know. The Holy Spirit for 30 days, they might nudge you to say, you're just going to be a professional guest. You don't need to invite people in your homes. Just every time somebody asks you, like, hey, would you come over to dinner? You'd be like, oh, the Holy Spirit's moving. I will be there at six. There's room for all of us around the table. But it also, the reason why prayer is so important, because it may be that the Holy Spirit nudges you in a different way. Maybe there's something else you're being called to. But let's let the Holy Spirit do its job. And if you're a guest here and you're like, I don't know any of these people. <laughs> I'm not going to invite anybody to my house. Well, the great thing is here, there's another program called Brunch and Burgers, which you heard in the announcements earlier, that once a month we go out uh, to the local restaurant here to get to meet um, one another. Maybe you can start there. But I believe it is important for us to break bread together. Now, my friend who invited me over um, when I was a kid and I ate all their dog jerky, which I'm pretty sure their dog never forgave me for that. Um, every time he looked at me, he just kind of... So, sorry, dog. <laughs> but that relationship grew, um, starting, starting there. And it grew so much that um, when I was in junior high, technically I was homeless for part of my junior high um, year, and this family opened up their house to me. 
and let me stay on their floor. And that relationship continued to grow all to the point of where those cats were in my wedding. And I was blessed and honored to be able to officiate one of their weddings a few years ago. All because my friend invited me over for dinner. Bow your heads with me. God in heaven, thank you so much for your mercy which leads to your grace, Lord. Thank you so much for your constant pursuit of us, Lord. For those of us who may be struggling with prayer, Lord, this church has um, resources available. There's an entire um, staff called Prayer and Care to help us in prayer. For those of us who are struggling with connection of community, Lord, may we turn to your Holy Spirit to nudge us and to guide us on how we can be connected to one another more. I just thank you so much for everyone in this room who's turning their eyes to you to ask you, what shall I do? In your beautiful and glorious name, Lord, we all said, amen.